talking about the power of the invite. Today I want to do a little bit of a recap and I want to, I want to kind of seal this message up today and really prepare our hearts for what God is going to do, not only next week, but the weeks following this. We talked in week one about Jesus being the greatest inviter of all time. Talked about when we look at the scriptures and we find out like, man, Jesus, everywhere he was going, he was inviting people to do what? He was inviting them, it says in Matthew 4, that he invited them to follow him, and then he gave them a promise. He said, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And we talked about the power of invitation. It, it makes people feel special. It makes them feel welcomed. It, it, it lets them know, hey, there's, there's something special about you, and that's how Jesus lived his life. And I want to extend that to you today again, that if that's the way that Christ led us, then that's the way we lead our lives. I said it to you this way. This is a kind of a PowerPoint here. Following Jesus and fishing for men, oh, they're inseparable. They go hand in hand. The truth is, is if we're going to follow Jesus, refishing for men is required. Don't everybody shout me down at the same time. Some of us love to proclaim that we're followers of Jesus, but I want to just add this caveat. You can't follow Jesus without being a fisher of men. We talked about in week two that, that, that we all need to be chariot chasers. Ask your neighbors, have you chased any chariots this week? I want to ask all my online audience, did you chase any chariots this week? I talked about the story of Philip and how God spoke to him about a specific place in a specific time where he was going to encounter the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Bible says that, that he was told to, to run up alongside of that chariot and talk to that man. And the story goes on to say he ran up next to the chariot. I think Philip was kind of fast, by the way. I didn't get to talk about this in the few weeks behind, but I really believe that Philip was a, 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 just a master class runner because this was an important man. He had probably the best horses, probably the fastest chariot. And the Bible says he ran up alongside of him and asked him, hey, you understand what you're reading? And he said, how could I unless I have somebody explain it to me? And the Bible says he jumped in the chariot and began to declare Jesus right there in his car, in his Uber. I got to tell you, Uber's a great time to present the gospel. You got a captive audience. They ain't going anywhere. They can't kick you out. Lord, I've been believing for an opportunity. Just call Lyft this week. <laughs> Take Lyft to work this week. And guess what? You're going to have a mission field right there. Says that he communicated Christ so eloquently that the man said, Hey, can you pull over and baptize me right now? There's some water right there. Listen, the gospel demands a response. I said the gospel demands a response. And that response is converting our hearts to his heart. And in a moment, the Bible says that our spirits are recreated. Let me tell you this, there's a step after salvation that takes place. And maybe you're here today or maybe you're online and you've been joining us and you've given your heart to the Lord over the last few weeks. I'm so pumped that you've joined our family. I mean, I couldn't think of a greater thing to happen in your life. But I want to give you one more step and that is you need to be water baptized. Well, do I have to be water baptized to go to heaven? Heck no, you're going. You accepted Christ, you're going, but water baptism is a public declaration to those around us that the old man's dead and this is a brand new person. And so I want to give you an invitation in two weeks. Everybody say in two weeks. 
man, during our worship service, we're going to set up our tank over here, and we're going to baptize those that want to publicly declare their faith. And so if you're here and you say, man, I, I need to do that. I haven't done that. Today on the, in the hub on the left, as you leave, you can go in there and say, hey, I want to be dunked. Just go in there and say, hey, I want to learn to dunk. Pastor Josh said you would teach me to dunk. And we're going to dunk some folks in two weeks, and we would love for you to be a part of that. But listen, when he followed Jesus, when you follow Christ, not only do we become fishers of men, we understand that we have to go to them. I want to read you this quote by, by my pastor, our founding pastor. He said this a few years ago, and it, it rocked me, and I, I pray that it rocks you a little bit. He said, a world you refuse to enter is a world you will never reach. So we can follow Jesus and become fishers of men, but we've got to go to where they are. We've got to get outside the comfort zone of our normal, as I say, a Christian bubble. Some of, some of us live isolated lives because we don't want to be infected by the world. Let me tell you this. Your purpose is not to hide so you don't become infected. Your job is to go and infect them where they are. With, infect them with what? With hope, with love, with peace, with joy, with gladness. Let me say this to you. You got to go. I nudge your neighbor and say, you got to go. You got to go. And the third point that I want to kind of put up a bow on today is we talked last week about creating a culture that writes people in. As human beings, we're wired to write people off. They don't look like me. They don't dress like me. They don't talk like me. And in an immediate view of somebody on the outward appearance, we tend to write people off because they're different. And I took a, a, a good bit of time, you can go back and watch it, last week about Jesus being somebody that not, doesn't write people off. He's actually looking for opportunities to, to write people in. I said it to you last week. If we're believing for God to send us the lost, it's our responsibility to welcome them when they show up. I, I've been thinking about this a lot. And what does the lost look like? When you think of revival, what, what do you have in your mind? Because I think a lot of times maybe we have a, a different view of what we think revival should look like or what it's going to look like before Christ comes and His Spirit is poured out upon all flesh. It's going to look like that Spirit poured out upon flesh. People that look weird. Turn to your neighbor and say, He might be talking about you. It's probably not going to look like us all put together. I don't believe the lost are going to come to church dressed up and acting the way we do. They don't know that. So when they come, it's our, it's our opportunity to welcome them as Christ welcomed the lost. I said it to you this way, and I'll give it to you one more time. The church needs to be known for what we're for, not what we're against. And when we create a culture of, man, we're for you no matter where you've been, where you're going, how it happened to you. When we create that culture, when they hit the double doors and come out of the parking lot, they feel at home. And when they come in here and we make room for them and maybe they're sitting in your seat. You know how to tick somebody off quick? Sit in the seat they always sit in. Who's this clown? This is, don't they know I sit here every week? This is our place. And all the ushers said, listen, when we invite people to come in, let's make room for them naturally, and then let's make room for them spiritually. 
Because guess what? They may not be on the step in their journey that you are. So when we invite people, let's be sure to welcome them. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this message you've given me today. I pray for those that are watching online, those that are going to listen to this later on YouTube or a podcast, and I pray for those that are hearing this message right now in this moment. Give us ears to hear your word. Lord, give us boldness not to just be hearers, but that that we would be doers of your word. Lord, today we, we pray for action steps, for next steps for us as believers to be great inviters. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving me boldness to declare your word today with accuracy. Help me remember the scripture stories and illustrations that you put in my heart for your people today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Many years ago, I was a youth pastor, brand new in ministry, young in my early 20s. And man, I, I just, I'll just be honest with you, I wanted just to help people. I wanted to serve young people. I wanted to impact a generation that, that I had just kind of come out of in my 20s. I was thinking, man, high school was tough for me. Was high school tough for anybody else? How about middle school? Y'all are lying. Middle school's crazy. <laughs> middle school's crazy. And I, I had a horrible time in middle school and then high school, a lot of pressure. A lot of expectations on people for me and what I should do with my life and getting caught up in groups and with people and habits and routines that, that I really didn't belong with. And God rocked me a, a, a few years after high school. And I, I wanted to help young people. And so some crazy pastor hired me and allowed me to meet with their students. And I'll be honest, I didn't know what I was doing, but my heart was right. I just, I just wanted to help them maybe not step in the same potholes I did. And so we began to, to hold youth ministry in a, in a little warehouse in the back of our little strip mall building that we had church in. And man, the first week, nine kids came and I thought revival had hit. I mean, I was really just pumped that people showed up, you know. I mean, hey, it's not empty. God must be moving. And me and a few leaders, we began to gather them and preach Jesus to them and walk with them and love them and encourage them and give them the word and pray over them and hang out with them. And I mean, that summer went by and at the end of the summer, there was almost 50 students coming. That room every Sunday night was full and I thought, man, look at me. I know what I'm doing. God's man of faith and power. And then I realized it really wasn't about me. It was about God in me. And it wasn't about the youth leaders. It was about God using ordinary people to to change their hearts. But there came this season where it just came consistently 50, 50, 50, 50. And I got frustrated. I'm like, Lord, where's more? And he gave me this idea. He said, why don't you throw this rock concert? I said, that sounds awesome. I'll do it. And so we, 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 we got a couple bands to sign up and we rented this warehouse across the street and we advertised on the radio and we gave the students invitations, man. And they went bonkers. And that Friday night, almost 300, it was like 250 to 300 kids showed up. I mean, they showed up and it was, it was kind of wild because you can handle 50, right? When you've dealt with 50, but now there's 250 And I got nervous. I mean, I was getting nervous because there was kids in the street over here. And I'm like, should they be in the street? I mean, shouldn't we didn't have enough youth workers. I looked over here and there's a bunch of kids over here. There's big smoke plumes popping up out of there. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure if they're allowed to be smoking. Like, am I going to get in trouble? 
And then I saw the church kids coming in. You know, they were dressed like church kids. And they were kind of tiptoeing around because there was kids that didn't look like church kids. Big old gauges in their ears and these crazy blue mohawks and green hair. Girls with half their clothes off. I mean, it was just weird. I was nervous, like, I'm going to get in trouble. Surely I'm going to get in trouble. But, man, at the same time, there was something in my heart that was stretched. And I was like, this is Jesus kind of people. Like, like they're, they're, they actually want to come. Like, there was this excitement of, man, God's going to meet them. And that night, man, we just loved on them nervously. And I, I remember at the end of the night, kids giving their hearts to the Lord and kids getting prayed for. And, and, I, and I left that night just like on this spiritual high. I mean, I was just fired up like, this is revival. This is what I was born to do. A few days went past and the, the buzz of the energy kind of wears you down a little bit. And then I, I remember running into somebody and they said, hey, um, do, do you really have to do those outreach things? And I said, what? And they said, why can't, it would, maybe it would be better if you just pastored the 50 students, Josh, that are coming. I got to be honest with you, it's like somebody popped my balloon. Like, what are you talking about? Well, we just think maybe, you know, the, the church kids would feel more comfortable if, if you didn't bring in all those wild people. I'm like, are you aware that your kid actually goes to what's called high school? And that's where these kids go to school. This isn't weird for them. It's just weird for you. And I remember thinking like, what in the world? And they, there's several people confronted me and they said, we just really would like you to just pastor the 50 that are here. And I got really frustrated because I started thinking about the gospel message and it changed my life. And I started asking myself some questions like, well, if we're not going to tell them, who's going to tell them? If they need help and nobody else is going to extend a help, helping hand, how, how will they hear? Who's going to connect them with other students who do have a foundation in the Word? And who's going to help them regain their hope and their vision unless we bring them the good news? I made a decision in that moment that that's how I was going to live the rest of my life. That I wasn't going to be content to just have a group of safe people that know God and love God. I want to be an extension of Jesus in my world and in other worlds. And I wasn't just going to be a church guy. I wanted to be a doer of the word and I wanted to see people's lives changed with the gospel. That week I got back into my Bible and was kind of refilling myself of what my purpose was and I was led to Romans 10, 13, which I've shared this with you already, but it bears repeating. It says, everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never met or heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anybody go and tell them without being sent? That is what the scripture says. Listen to this. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Some of y'all need a pedicure. There's been seasons in my life where I wanted to cover my feet because I knew I wasn't being one who was living and telling the gospel story. Today, I want to 
challenge you as graciously as I can, but I also want to prompt you and push you to say, this is our responsibility to be goers and senders, to be tellers of our story and of his story. And the truth is, is there's a lot of lost people that are waiting on us. As Easter Sunday approaches, I was thinking about this final Sunday. My purpose today is, is to impress upon you the power of inviting somebody to church with you. The truth is, if you've been awake for the last two years and not hiding under a rock, you realize that society's in a different place. Hope has been drained and leaked out and completely lost for some people. Some people's dreams and Ideas of what their life would be have been stripped away and some would even say they've been stolen. The enemy's been hard at work, not just to shut up the church, but to keep anybody else from wanting or thinking about attending a local church. Many people have lost the ability to regain their future and their dreams because of pain and hurt. I meet people all the time as a pastor that because of betrayal and loss, they've left the church now they feel hopeless. Luke 14, 12 talks about how we should be and who we should be looking for. I'll just give you a little heads up here. Easter Sunday is not for your Baptist friends that usually go to another church and you want to bring them here because we're going to have a great celebration. Easter Sunday is about bringing the lost and the hurting and the broken so they can hear the resurrection story for the first time. Luke 14 out of the message says, the next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and your family and your rich neighbors, the kind of people who can return the favor. Invite some people who never get invited out. I don't know who I'm going to invite to Easter. How about someone that never gets invited out? How about the misfit from the wrong side of the tracks? Then you'll be and experience a blessing. If you've been at IFC for more than 10 minutes, we live to be blessed so we can be a blessing. Like our whole purpose of gathering together is that, that you'll be blessed with God, blessed with his blessings, and that you can then be and experience what a blessing means to be. He says they won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. And oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. He goes on in verse 23 and says to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full. Let me speak to you today as your pastor. I believe that there is a responsibility on our church and the global church to restore hope to the hurting. It's our responsibility it's our responsibility as a church, international family church, and the global church of Jesus Christ to bring healing to the brokenhearted, to restore sight to those that have been blinded, to bring light to those that are lost in darkness. And we must compel them to come and experience the Jesus that changed our life. The truth is there's no other organization on the planet that has what we have. Thank you, Mo. Listen to me very carefully. There's no organization on the planet that has the ability to change the human heart. No hospital, no doctor, no school, no government, no political affiliation, no club, no cult, no religion 
can do what the power of Jesus Christ can do. Only Jesus has the ability to take somebody that's broken and in a moment heal their body. Only Jesus has the ability through the resurrection by the Holy Ghost that can take somebody who was walking down a dark road and spin them on a dime and all of a sudden show them their destiny. You and I are the local church. Listen to this statement. I love this and I live by this. The local church is the hope of the world. I said the local church is the hope of the world. Some of you would say, that's awesome. I'm so glad to be here in the local church. Let me remind you, 99 Concord Street North Reading is not the local church. It's just a brick building that we bought. The local church is you and I gathering together in this building. And when we're together, Jesus is here, which means the power that he gives us is now extended to those we bring with us. Church isn't somewhere we go, it's who we are. Church isn't something that you join, it's something that you become. The local church is the hope of the world, and this is the promise that Jesus gives to his church. In Matthew 11, he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? This was me right here. Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life, and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says this, I will not lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep in company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. My prayer is that when you invite your friends to IFC, this is what they experience. They don't experience pressure. They experience freedom. They don't experience pain and resentment. They experience joy and restoration through what? The hope of Jesus Christ in our midst. Would you take a moment and watch a story of one of my new friends, Ray. I was born and raised in the dorm. I came from a broken home. It was we were pretty poor. It was my sister and I, and my mother. My birth dad left when I was five. My sister was just born. It was it was tough growing up. Um, I wasn't the best student in the world, to say the least. So I came back home and uh, really wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was fortunate enough to be hired by, uh, at the time, Bay State Gas on December 16th of 1980, which then turned into Columbia Gas in 2009. I was a field trainer with uh, Columbia Gas. The day I was in uh, Shrewsbury Training Center um, with some employees, as I was driving home, I got a call from a doing gas inspector saying, Ray, what's going on? I'm, I'm not sure what you're talking about. He says, there's 70 fires, right? Active fires uh, caused by natural gas. And I'm like, stop messing with me. 
And as I got close to Lawrence going down 495, I could see all the plumes of smoke. And I went, oh my God, he wasn't kidding. City, you could just see that it was bad. There was fire trucks coming from every community imaginable. It, it was tragic. It was a tragic event. It was deemed the worst natural gas uh, disaster in the history of the country. And it just, my whole life kind of changed after that. So that was one of my stipulations when I stayed at, that I, I wanted the city of Lawrence and I wanted to pick the translate, my translator. I grew up in Lawrence. Uh, I've been in Lawrence since I was five years old. Um, so when the Columbia gas um, explosions happened, I wanted to help my community. When I first met Ray, he was extremely tired that day and, you know, he said how he had, you know, he's up at three o'clock in the morning to make sure he's there, you know, bright and early. Um, it was that day, it was like, I don't know, 9, 10 o'clock at night. It was really late. It was very demanding physically, mentally, because you just went into one circumstance after the next that was not good. My typical work week was six or seven days, 14 to 18 hours a day. When you do this day in and day out, the hours that we did it, it takes its toll on you uh, mentally. It, it was tough. When you're in the core of it, you, you really don't realize how, um, how emotionally draining it could be until after the fact. I saw the job um, taking a toll on Ray, both physically and emotionally, um, and I don't know if he realized it or not. It was about mid-February, she said to me, Yaira said to me, you need to come to church with me. And, um, I went, what are you talking about, church? I, I felt that um, it would help him to come to church based on what I, you know, I, I've noticed that he was, you know, just this whole situation. She said, listen to me, please. You need to come to church with me. I said, I don't have time for church. You see what I'm doing? I thought just coming to church would help. I, mean, I knew not, now I know it's more than just the church, but I, at least I felt like, well, if I invite him to church, maybe this will, I don't know, maybe give him some kind of peace. And I sat and I thought about the whole thing and we were both silent for a minute. And she, you know, she had been with me several months prior to her, you know, suggesting that. And I just kind of reflected on what she said, thought about it. It was more out of respect for her that I said, okay, you know, and um, I said, I'll meet you there. And she told me the time, it was 11 o'clock. And I, um, I showed up like I said I would, because I'm a man of my word, and uh, it was the best thing I ever did. The first time Ray visited, I remember his reaction was like, you're bringing me to a rock concert. I leaned over to her and I said, did you bring me to a concert did you bring me to church? Because it was tremendous and I just loved it. And I had such a, a, a feeling that came over me when they started playing. 
and it still does today, and it's three years later. Pastor Jonathan, service, and it's so identifiable, um, real. It, it just, I just love it. I can't get enough. When Ray started serving on, um, with the community service life group, before I even started the group, I mentioned it to him and he, he was all on board. And he actually even gave me ideas of places that we can go and do outreach. I was um, less fortunate at one point in my life as many of these um, families are. And um, I've seen people help me. And it's the only way I get through it. So for me to do this is an honor, not, it's not a chore. I just feel that um, I'm doing something that God wants me. My life has improved um, tremendously from the time the Merrimack Valley incident occurred um, to today. Coming to IFC is the single best decision I've ever made in my life. Hi, Ira. Hey, Ray. Hi. Thanks for coming to talk to me today. What made you decide to invite me to church? I felt the difference in my life, um, and because um, I felt that you would also, you know, um, benefit from it as well. And and of course, I was, you know, I, I care for you as as a person. So you know, we had this um, uh, interesting connection. Uh, <laughs> I would say interesting, right? <laughs> Would you have come to church if I didn't invite you? No. No, and why is that? It's not something I ever really thought much of. I had been away from church for 50 years. Mm -hmm. Your invitation actually changed my life. Yeah, oh, wow, in what way did it change your life? You know, I just feel at home here at uh, International Family Church, and I feel like I belong here. Develop some pretty strong bonds uh, within the church. God is in my life. I feel like I'm a different person, both physically and mentally. The day you got baptized, um, just you know, watching you um, take that step, it, it was emotional for me. It was very special for me, you being here. Just really special. It, uh, yeah, it was. A, it was a great day. I didn't realize that um, the importance of an invitation and how far it was going to lead to. I just felt I also felt so proud for you for making that, uh, you know, making that decision. Pastor Jonathan always, you know, saying in his uh, services that, you know, God has a plan for us. I, I think part of my his plan for me was the Merrimack Valley, and I know once I started coming here. It helped me tremendously um, emotionally to get through the next eight months of it. It was a 14-month, I'd say, tour of duty. You know, and I don't think he's—I don't think he's done with me. What Yahira has done for me is just um, changed my whole life. Um, you know, inviting me to church and uh, the friendship we've developed. You got me to church. You changed my life. So thank you. <laughs>
I don't want to embarrass anybody, but Yahira, would you stand? Would Ray, would you stand? thank you for being bold to put yourself out there and invite somebody. Ray, thank you for accepting. We're so pumped to have you a part of our family. To watch what God's done in your life, even over this short time. It's amazing. Glad to call you my friend. I want to read you one last scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins to all. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. He goes on to say, we are speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God because He's already friends with you. I've had so much fun teaching the series. I pray that not only the, the words of the scriptures and the quotes and quips that we've given you, I pray that this story impacts you. And my question as we close is, who's your Ray? Who's your Ray? Who's the person that God's placed in your life for a specific moment, in a specific spot, with destiny in mind? Who's your Ray? The second question will be, will you be a Yahira? An amazing, bold person who said, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about anything I could do, but I want to connect you with somebody that can. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to say prayer, two prayers today. The first one is I want to pray over you. I want to pray that you receive that Holy Ghost power that was promised us in Acts chapter 2. So, Father, I thank you for making us bold witnesses this week. Help us to step outside of our comfort zone and be inviters. Extend hope to extend mercy. Extend grace to those around us that need it. Father, give us the right words at the right time with the right people. Jesus' name, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, the second prayer I want to pray is for those that are here today or watching online. You say, man, I need that hope that you're talking about. I need a relationship with Jesus. I've come to the end of my rope. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure what my next step is. Pastor, would you pray for me? The truth is, is Jesus is the only one that can change your heart, can change your destiny, because he's the creator of your destiny. Maybe you're here today and you say, pray for me. I need Jesus. I want Today's my day. I want to receive him. All across this auditorium and watching online, if that's you, I'm going to ask you right now, just put your hand up and put it right back down. Just throw your hand up right in the air and say, that's me. Just wave it at me. Yes, sir, right here on the front. I got you. I got you right over here in the back, right where you're at. Just say, hey, pray for me. Just put your hand up. Put it right back down. Say, pastor, I need a fresh start. I need change. I see you. Yes, ma'am, in the back. Got you. 
Man, hands glowing up all over the place. Yes, I got you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Don't miss this moment. Yes, ma'am, I see you. You say, how would I know? Yes, sir, I got you. How would I know if that's me? Man, your heart's beating out of your chest right now. It's the Holy Spirit knocking on the door of your heart saying, hey, I got something better for you. Will you open the door today? Take just a moment. There's no pressure here. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Include me. want that prayer just use the little hand emoji or just say right there in the chat box hey I need prayer I want I want that Jesus you're talking about anybody else I don't want to miss anybody you say pastor include me maybe you're here today and you say I've been away from God I, I know him I've received him I know I'm going to heaven but my life is not right I need to reconnect with him today I need to ask for his forgiveness put your hand up and put it right back down I'll include you in this prayer I got you yes ma'am yes 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 Yep, gotcha. Yes, 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 yes. Good day to come home. All across this room, would you look at me? Man, today's such a special day. So many people saying, I want Jesus. And many people saying, I want to come home today and recommit my life. Can we do this together as a family? Whether you've prayed this prayer before or you're one that raised and this is your first time, out of your own heart, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe in Jesus. I believe He died on a cross for my sins. I believe He paid the price. Today, I receive my relationship with God my Father back together today so in front of my friends in front of my family I declare Jesus the Lord of my life in Jesus name amen amen would you make some noise for all those that prayed that prayer today